Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. It's time for our end-of-year listener mailbag episode. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. We've gotten lots of great questions this year, and today we're going to dig in and answer every one we can. Are you ready for it? To li- because you answered a lot of questions. And we have not heard these questions, right, No, Kara? we have not. We are going yeah, to so hear them, authentic. and then we are going to react. It's authentic. It's clear. Yeah. Um, and right. so we appreciate our listeners, and we're glad they send in great questions. They have sent in great questions. Anyway, let's kick it off with a question from Jason from Minneapolis. It's about transportation. Let's play the tape. Hi, Scott and Kara. My name's Jason from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'd like to get your thoughts on transportation, specifically urban mass transit. Do you see the future of transit in existing modes like light rail and buses? Or do you envision disruption by companies like Uber and Lyft or even Tesla and Apple? It'd be great to hear your thoughts on this topic. Thanks so much. Wow, that's a really interesting question, Jason. He sounded like Amy Klobuchar, didn't he? Didn't Jason sound like Amy Klobuchar? That was not my first thought, that, oh, that he sounded like a shot. female senator. That did <laughs> okay. not run through my mind. <laughs> Why don't you start on But I'm sure one? he's excited to hear that. I'm sure that right. that's, yeah. <laughs> I, I love Amy Klobuchar. It's a compliment. I'm going to start now, actually. So, yes, I think it's not going to be existing. I think it's going to get disruption, especially now that Mayor Pete is also from the Midwest, has tons and tons of money to spend. Um, I do mm-hmm. think there's going to be a lot of disruption, even though, you know, th- th- people joked about Elon Musk's uh, boring company, the Move Traffic Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot more promise there than people realize, I think. Um, I think that we will be moving more to mass transit um, over time as cars become more autonomous and um, self-driving. Um, I think people are, as I've written, ride-hailing apps uh, uh, do increase traffic, but I think it's a thing that's happened and it's moved along. So I think there's going to be disruption. That's my feeling. Scott? Yeah, I think the uh, I agree with you. I'm fascinated by infrastructure investments, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also fascinated by transportation and aviation. My father, uh, before he left my mom for his next wife, uh, used to take me to the Orange County John Wayne Airport before mm-hmm. there was even security. 
and you could walk out on the runway and he used to put his hands over my ears and we would watch planes land and take off and he would uh, we would do a game where I would guess the plane I'd be like oh that's a DC9 that's a 737 hmm. Hold me, Kara. That Hold is me. A Anyways, lovely um, holiday. That seems like a Hallmark nice? movie waiting to be isn't made. That nice. Yeah. Yeah. Before except he moved for, in with a except for the before he, <laughs> before he moved in with a flight attendant from Continental Airlines. All right. Um, well, then uh, you have a anyways. good relationship with transportation. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so uh, I think that I'm super excited about innovation and transportation. Um, I, you introduced me to someone I want to invest in. I want to invest in Boom because I think reattaching. Explain what Boom the, is. Boom is supersonic, and that is uh, the Concorde was a fantastic idea, but uh, the technology wasn't there. And now because of technology and materials, fuselage engines, uh, we might have economical, viable, um, efficient uh, supersonic. And it, the idea of getting from New York to um, London in three and a half hours, I think that's a much bigger market than sending people up for seven minutes to the Carmen line for $400,000. Anyways, uh, but specifically to the, more specifically to the question around urban transportation, something like 80% of all time spent commuting is on trips of eight miles or less. Yeah. And the thing, I'm going to Bangkok over uh, the holidays. I love Bangkok. I think it's an incredible mm -hmm. city. Great I'm taking city. my boys. And one of the really, I forget what it's called, but the train, they literally built a train line uh, right down the middle of the city. And it they transformed did. the city. Yeah. And it created all sorts of economic growth and freed up all sorts of time. But the great unlocks uh, economically and also from a societal standpoint are when you can save people a lot of time so they can spend more time with their families, spend more time on self-care, spend more time making money. And the opportunity – I think the most underhyped part of Elon's portfolio is mm -hmm. the boring company. Me too. Because the idea of, of boring a tunnel between Midtown and LaGuardia – Yeah. I mean, LaGuardia is like six and a half miles from- It takes nine years to get there. And it takes, and not only that, it's, it it's not even the amount of time it takes, it's the variance in the amount of time. Because yeah. occasionally you get there in 18 minutes and you think, yeah. oh, this is easy. Yeah. And then the next day it takes an hour and a half and you spend Same the last 30 minutes- Same thing with National minutes, Airport here. It's right in town, but it's and not. And you spend the last 30 minutes digesting your stomach because you're about to miss your goddamn plane. Yeah. Anyways, and not only that, there's a huge application for the Boring Company and subterranean transportation in um, to get us our Nespresso pods because I th I think you're going to start hearing more mm -hmm. about the last last mile, yeah, and the ability to New get York. your stuff really. Can you imagine New York if things were underground? That would be so great if all the deliveries were, you know, they. Well, uh, that all would, you have to see is to people who really understand transportation are always kind of fascinated by the MTA and the New York subway. It really mm -hmm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can get around so efficiently and so quickly when it's working, and it does, I think, for the most part, they do a fantastic job. I agree. Job, I think MTA. it gets slapped a lot, but it is astonishing. Well, I think they do a great job. Um, but the boring company is the most is the most underhyped. Tesla is the, the massively the most overhyped. And somewhere in the middle, an amazing company that will probably create the most shareholder value is um, SpaceX. But that's a different talk show. But I think urban transportation, you talked yeah. about autonomous. I love the idea of the boring company. I think there'll be some sexier stuff that won't get as much traction, such as uh, autonomous or electric um, uh, Bikes. rotocopters or basically flying. Oh, oh, vertical. Uh, they're called vertical lift and takeoff. Vertical Uber, lift. Yeah, they're called velos. Velos. Yeah, they're interesting. I think what, you know, obviously Kitty Hawk is working on things. I think you can't count out all the bikes in the city and electric bikes. I think this is something, uh, you know, other European cities use bikes a lot more, but it's more and more in the cities, you've noticed. The last part is, of course, people are staying home more and not commuting downtown to downtown areas. And so that will be an interesting mm -hmm. 
shift in terms of how people get around. People aren't doing as much business travel. Um, but I do think there's going to be a move to more uh, a different kind of mass transit. It isn't endlessly exhausting. Um, so we feel disruption, correct? And Apple, of course, Apple, we've talked about Apple putting out a car. I can't imagine if they move into cars, they won't move into buses and everything else kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think, look, infrastructure is the one of the best investments you make. It is the definition of investment, and that mm -hmm. is, you know, it's the immediate return. But the invisible air infrastructure of our airways is something that's Roads. underappreciated. Roads have worked out rather well, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and subways and bridges and transportation and municipal transportation. I mean, it's really strange. It can also backfire. I think one of the things that is the worst thing for the brand of San Francisco is the public transportation there. It's just always been terrible. It's and not terrible. Th Sorry, I wrote it all the time. It's not terrible. Oh, it's Muni? just not in enough places. Oh, They're about my to open God. a new. I wrote well, it every day. You must have been on the white person's route. There's no, like a I was few not. routes from no. the marina downtown. No, I took okay. buses. I took, I took buses and Muni all over the San Francisco Bay area. It's not the worst. It's not, it's just I'm not. I'm sorry. The 83 on Kara RTD in LA going down Wilshire so Boulevard is much it up. They just built a new one going down the other direction, um, going going to the, the wharf and stuff like that for tourists and stuff like that. I think it's not that bad. It's not terrible, but it's not, the buses are quite okay. I use them all the time. Anyway. Quite gonna, okay. I for like the, them. For the, I never had, I never. A concentrated I, city with the greatest concentration of wealth in the world and their public transportation well, you is know, quite Larry okay. Larry and Sergey want, there's issues around the hills. I don't know if you've heard, but San Francisco is very hilly. Larry and Sergey. um, I wanted, think you've been condescending. I think you're mocking me. I, I believe I am. Larry and Sergey wanted to put in chairlifts and Gavin Newsom, it's going to be, they want to put in chairlifts. Yeah, up the hills. Anyway, let's get to the next question about green. Uh, yeah, chairlifts. They wanted chairlifts and then you get on them and ride them up the hills. <laughs> do uh, you love the idea of a bunch of VCs falling off the chairlifts and then being run over by I Muni? I do. I always liked it. Gavin Newsom was called me right after they did that and he's like, I can't believe this when he was mayor of San Francisco. Okay, the next question about Funny, green. You didn't call me. I it's didn't call you. Yeah, because we Gavin both Newsom lived in San Francisco. I, well, he was mayor. That is the mayor. whitest <laughs> statement ever. After <laughs> no, we, no, after the no, idea of a no, chairlift no. in San Francisco was no, discussed, was, the governor oh called God. me. I, well, smell you, book. white lady. All right, listen. Smell read you. my book. Anyway, Scott, next question about green energy. This one came via email from a listener named Oliver. I will read it to you. Do you have any advice or warnings about investing in green energy? The last weeks, what with uh, COP26, there's been a lot of talk about the private sector investing trillions to combat uh, climate change. How can a small fish like me get involved? Good question. Scott, would you like to start? Or I can start on this one. I know. Um, you go first. Well, you know, a lot of VCs were originally invested in green energy, and then they sort of, it, it fell apart because they weren't getting the returns because it was way too early to do this. Um, but you have a lot of really big investors, including Elon Musk, including Bill Gates, uh, many, many others moving into the green energy space. And I, I think they don't use a term, it's climate change tech, I think is what it is more mm -hmm. called. Um, I think it's a huge opportunity. And I've said over and over again, I think the world's first trillionaire is going to be a climate change tech person. Um, there's mitigation. There's all kinds of things. There's there's so many different ideas. I have I, I know a, a small startup that's using um, algae to eat up carbon. There's all kinds of really fascinating things going on, and I th I consider them all in the bowl of tech kind of things solutions. Um, there'll be there'll be all and and that includes going into space and living elsewhere, not on this planet. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking about our our plan B, essentially. So, yes, I think there's all kinds of ways to invest. There's tons and tons and tons of startups. Um, and and you'll see, you know, it's sort of like the early days of um, the internet. At the same time, you're going to possibly lose a lot of money with some of them. So it's a very risky area. 
to pick and choose? Well, yeah, we like this is a complicated one because I think we bought into this narrative that some graduate from MIT is going to solve climate change and make us rich along the way. And wouldn't that be nice? I I, I, look. I think I think we've we've mostly in our generation. Well, actually, not our generation. A lot of generations have arbitrage the 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 climate in order to create trillions of dollars in shareholder value and also some prosperity. Fossil fuels Mm -hmm. have, have played a huge part in societies progress. But essentially, we've been arbitraging it and ignoring the externalities to make us rich. And now we'd like to think that we can unbundle or fix the climate while getting rich. And some of that is true, but I still, at the end of the day, think it's a bit of a a false flag and absolves us from making the hard choices and investments we're going to need to make as nations and as, as mature economies to come together, get rid of coal, and just recognize this is going to be expensive. Um, yeah. And uh, so I don't like this narrative around we're going to get rich solving climate change. And what you've uh, seen is this. I do the think ultimate, people are going to get rich solving climate. It doesn't mean that uh, it's not a difficult thing. There's going to be the, technology. Well, the ultimate sleight of hand here mm-hmm. is that Tesla, Rivian, and Take Lucid combined mm-hmm. are now worth almost the entire automobile market. So mm-hmm. the the. Uh, smart analysts will go, well, this kind of assumes, these valuations kind of assume that these three companies are going to sell every car produced on earth. And they go, well, no, we don't want to talk about that because that's an irrational right. argument and doesn't yes. justify our valuation. So we changed the total addressable market to climate change. And I don't, I, I, it's really at some point, I think the market does reattach to its fundamentals. Now, having said that, I think it's an exciting place. I think your investment dollars can be a force of change. I'm investing in some stuff around climate tech. I think it's what? A, it's. It, what are you investing in? So I'm talking to some guys about uh, uh, where I'm going to invest, and this will be unpopular. I'm going to invest in nuclear. I think mm. once we get our heads out unpopular. of the clouds and Lots get of countries and, operate on it, but go ahead. And stop talking about the hallmark version of how we saw, how the hallmark channel version of how we solve climate change. I think nuclear relative to the risks and relative to the waste is a fantastic way to replace coal. And I think it's going to be any part of a sober conversation around how we make the type of progress we need to make against carbon emissions will ultimately lead to a sober conversation around the role that nuclear plays. Yep, I would agree with you. So I'm interested in investing in nuclear tech. Not solar. You're not doing solar or wind or things like that? No, I, I, my sense isn't uh, that that stuff still requires so many subsidies. Mm-hmm. There's the new technology, and actually Bill Gates and, and Warren Buffett are investing in this company. It, what, as, I, as I understand it, the equivalent of mini mills and steel mills, they used to be very expensive, and then they came up with mini mills that were more efficient. There's yeah. essentially that type of technology that could make uh, mini reactors that are, aren't nearly the financial or capital costs and produce uh, a lot of electricity. Anyways, I'm very interested in nuclear. I think yes. it's I think it's a word we're going to hear more. All right. I'm th- I think also you have to think about lots of areas like food, clothing. There's all sorts of questions mm-hmm. about how to make clothing and produce it. Construction materials. Um, there's all kinds of innovation in mater- making of materials and how we make things. There's all... The- there's all kinds of ways to participate in this area, and there's tons and tons of different companies. Just to put on my investor hat, though, mm-hmm. if you're purely an economic animal, mm-hmm. I would argue, I would argue that on a risk-adjusted basis, your best returns, mm-hmm. and I am not an investor in any of these companies, but I think your best returns would be a basket of Exxon, Chevron, and Hess. I think mm-hmm. that fossil fuel companies have been so punished, and the bottom line is we overestimate the speed uh, uh, away from fossil yes. fuels, uh, how dependent we are on them. And these companies are generally well-run companies that spin off a shit ton of cash flow. So I'm, I don't invest in them. I'm not going to invest in them. 
But if you were purely looking for uh, stock market returns, uh, I actually think fossil fuels <laughs> offer great returns right now. Oh, dear, Scott. Okay. I know. I know. Sorry. Well, you know, they are sick. They are cleaning up the environment. You know how they, they talk about that. Oh, it's yeah. so funny. Beyond Petroleum. That was one Be- of the great rebrandings. Yeah. Beyond, beyond Petroleum. Yeah. You're beyond Petroleum. Anyway, um, here's a question. I'm beyond from- sexy. <laughs> Hello. Uh, oh, good. Hello. God. I knew that was coming in. I don't know how you managed to do that in the climate change area. Anyway, here's a question about a certain someone at Facebook, aka Meta, roll tape. Hi, Scott and Cara. This is Jason from London. I was really curious what you thought of uh, Andrew Bosworth uh, being promoted at Facebook. Having recently read <clears throat> An Ugly Truth, um, the authors of which you had in your podcast, um, it doesn't come across in the best light, or he doesn't at least. So really curious what you think of uh, that shakeup of Facebook. Oh, oh, this is all you, Kara. All right. Well, you know, uh, and Andrew Bosworth uh, is a very important figure at Facebook, no matter how you slice it. And he certainly has, over the years, said and done some controversial things, but he is completely in lockstep with Mark Zuckerberg. They're very close personally. Um, he's one of his closest advisors. Um, I don't think of it as a shakeup in that it's inevitable that he would um, – he would be uh, in this position. I suspect he's one of the top choices for CEO. Um, and he's willing to do whatever it takes. He's reflective, certainly. He's uh, He can be obstreperous, but he's definitely the person that is going to be an important figure in Facebook, has been and will be going forward. There's a few other names, of course, that have been bandied about, uh, but I think he's probably in the pole position, maybe Chris Cox. Um, there are some others. Isn't Andrew Bros- Bosworth the guy that was the biggest draft bust of all time in the NFL? Oh, wait, different Bosworth. <laughs> different Bosworth. Remember that guy? He became an action film hero for like a hot no, minute. Do you remember do what I'm not, talking about? No, I do not. This no. is a sports figure, yeah. so no. Well, that's you know. it. I'm not seeing the Kristen Stewart movie. Uh, you need that's to see it. That. Here's the deal hey, with you know, these you know what this, Facebook. I'm going to move. I'm going to keep uh, going with your hold on, on hold on. Tangent. Just let me just okay, say this. Go finish your tangent. Uh, talking about any of their executive other than Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook is like talking about the the generals for Kim Jong Un or whatever his name is. They don't make any fucking <laughs> difference. He's an autocrat. Everyone is there just to be his mouthpiece. He looks at him and says, can you parrot me in my sociopathic ways uh, all day long? Okay, you're hired. And the moment you stop, you're out. So no one really matters here. No one – just FYI Facebook, um, I'm trying to think of a delicate way of saying this. You don't matter you're, if you're working on Diem or Carpe Diem or Libra or Portal or Meta or Oculus, just know on your way to work, you are totally yeah. fucking irrelevant. Okay, next question. Let me just say, he is not. He is. He is a much bigger figure than that. He he was at Harvard. I think he was one of his TAs at Harvard. I think I forget. Anyway, he he's a very important figure at at the company. He just is. He is. He's going to be replacing Mike Schrepfer, who announced he'd be transitioning. Um, and he was has been working on all the key things at 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 the company. So his biggest thing was the the memo that was circulated within Facebook and got out called the ugly. Um, what was it argue, about? What was the, it? Was it argued that connecting people it? was important and said sometimes mm-hmm. you break some eggs. I think essentially, if as I recall, um, uh, it was provocative, which he is. Um, you could have negative consequences, and there's all kinds of things that could happen, but them's the breaks kind of it, 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 it was interesting it was an interesting i think he was telling the truth you know um and he has since refuted it a little bit um he told um 
BuzzFeed, I don't agree with the post today. It was a post I think he did in 2016 um, where he said, uh, I don't agree. I didn't agree with it when I wrote it. The purpose of the post, like many others I've written internally, was to bring the surface issues I felt deserved more discussion at the broader uh, company. So, okay. All right. Hmm. He's, he likes to be provocative, so he's provocative. Anyway, next question. Uh, we have a fun one. The question was sent in via Twitter from a listener named Kelly. She wants to know, do you have a favorite guest or interview you have done? Scott, what is your answer? Hmm. Well, hmm. this is front of mind right now, but I, I, I think John McMorder is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of your thoughts? I'll start with John. Okay. John McWhorter, who wrote Woke Racism. We've had him on before. Uh, I think he's a very uh, strong thinker. You know, I hadn't thought of this off the top of my head. I think we try to try to mix them as much as we can. And so I couldn't think of one that I thought was better than the others. I think Casey's always good. Um, I, you know, I like your friend, the mm-hmm. Canadian, um, when we've had him on, uh, Sorkin. Um, Andrew Ross Sorkin, yes. Canadian spy. <laughs> Canadian spy. Canadian spy. <laughs> um, I think I, I liked um, uh, Pam, uh, uh, Pamela Paul about, she wrote the internet with the, the before the internet thing, like what Pamela has changed. Paul. I thought that was a really interesting discussion. Um, Did I we have Maureen Dowd on? We had more. No, doubt, not yet. We? No, didn't we? No, we didn't. Well, I still, she's my favorite guest. Even if yeah. she's never <laughs> been on the show, I love we her. We have to have her. I love her. It's very hard to convince her to do that. I have to tell you. She's, she's actually my reticent. favorite guest was, was yeah. uh, Maggie Haberman because you were so Maggie's. scared of her. I'm not scared. I was literally two minutes late, and you're like texting and calling. And <laughs> well, she's fire a busy lady. Like, she covers like, things. Maggie waits for no man. Get to the mic. <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay. So one of the things that our producers are telling us, he means favorite interview ever. Don't have to stick to pivot. Uh, I, you'd have to. I'd have to say Steve Jobs. Interesting, hard. Mm, you had to go. be on your toes. Did Gavin Newsom call you about your interview with <laughs> Steve Jobs? Um, I really like almost every interview I do. Um, which ones? I used to love interviewing, and I haven't done an interview with him in a while. Barry oh, Diller. I know. Barry Diller. I, he's always funny. Go ahead. Who? My who? go-to. Yeah. My total go-to, and yeah. who I think is probably one of the brightest people or more thoughtful, reason calling balls and strikes person is uh, my colleague, Aswat Damodaran. He's my favorite okay. guest. Yeah. Whenever oh, I, yeah. I've had oh, him yeah. on. Oh, God, why are we forgetting? I've had him on Pro- the yeah. Prop G pod probably yeah. three times. Yeah, that was a great um, I just think he's a, a – I just could listen to him all day. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I really – I like – I think all ones. my little interviews. I like all my little interviews. I like them all. The, mm-hmm. what I, whatever I just did. Last, I like the Hans Zimmer one I just did. I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, and I didn't realize the range of his uh, of how much he had done before I. Oh, you know idea. who was great it was Caleb Scharf, the astrophysicist from yes. Columbia. Yes, he was great. He was really good. Yeah. All right. Well, those yeah. are all good people. We like everybody. We like everyone. Yeah. And send suggestions of who we. And should, my favorite uh, was Emily Ratajkowski, even though I didn't listen to it. I turned on, <laughs> I muted it, and just watched it. Anyway, there was no is video. Bad? Is that a hate there crime? There was no video. Again, is that no a hate video. crime? Oh my God! It was a really good interview. You should listen to it. It's Actually, you know what? I'm gonna beautiful. get. I'm gonna say it's one more. It's hard being this hot, Kara. Listen, it's painful. I being have one this more. I think was my hot. favorite recent interview, Monica Lewinsky. I have to She's say great. that was I, a great. I enjoyed your interview. With great, her. She's, great interview. And the McConaughey yeah. one was was a good one. You interviewed Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. He said all sorts that. of crazy. How was shit. that? What was he like? Everyone was like, he should not run for governor. <laughs> after after it, he was lovely as a person, but he didn't understand. He didn't know a lot of the topics of issues in Texas. So some big Isn't ones. Isn't he kind of Val Kilmer with a better plastic surgeon? What do you 
mean by voting kind of... rights? That's what he said, essentially. It was like, um, there's some, <laughs> what do you mean by voting rights? There's some legislation <laughs> happening in your state. Uh, so you're oh, running for governor? People should vote. No, he just said he's not going to. He gave a little speech. He's not going. He shouldn't. It was, I think this was sort of a bit, a little, a bit of a knife in that effort because he wasn't very up to no, speed no. on A few more Texas. edibles, that guy. That guy's like one, you know. Lovely that guy's guy. A few, that, that guy's a few edibles short of Val Kilmer. Lovely land, guy. In any case. True detective. Season one. He was great. Dallas Buyers Club. Outstanding. Yes, he is, but doesn't know anything about Texas governance. It's time for a quick break. Then we'll be back to answer more listener questions. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Scott, we're back. Our next question comes from Norway, Hmm. and it draws a parallel between big tech and gambling. How interesting. Hey, Karen Scott. My name is Carly. I am an American expat who lives in Norway. So I work in uh, responsible gambling, and the company I work for every few years um, has to get uh, recertified as a responsible gambling company by the European Lottery Association. And my question to you guys is, why do we not have a tech, an ethical technology association or board that all of these large tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, have to be members of and they get some um, certifications or they get a score every few years to show how ethical they truly are so we have a better understanding of their practices. Thanks. Love the show. Hmm. Carly, you know why? Knock, knock. Americans suck. That's why. Europeans rock. It would be sweet if I could finish it, but right now there's just Nor- Norway. <laughs> Okay. Get it? There's no way the United States would ever do this to, to any businesses. That's why, Carly, as an American, even though you live in Norway, you do understand that the less we, we try to hinder our companies, the better, even if they're ruining our society. So they would never, ever do anything. I think it's, I would, that would be a really interesting thing. But what does certification mean? Uh, how, how is it enforceable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. Correct, Scott? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I'm fascinated and think a lot about certification and rankings. I built my most, uh, arguably my most successful business. Mm -hmm. Did Gavin Newsom call me that? (laughs) Um, Was L2. And the way I built L2, Uh that's that's absolutely a horrible thing to say. The way we built L2 was we came up with a ranking. Mm -hmm. We used to rank companies based on what we called their digital competence. And it's really powerful. Um, rankings can also be really negative, and that is organizations can begin studying to the test. And what we've seen in higher ed is the rankings have become so incredibly powerful because the only way you get 90 points in margin is to build a great brand. 
And the rankings were initially constructed, and a big component of the ranking was your exclusivity or how many people you rejected. Yeah. And that has resulted in a rejectionist uh, complexion of higher ed that has been incredibly damaging. Mm -hmm. So U.S. News & World Report, their ranking of colleges, which they started 30 or 40 years ago, has actually been really damaging. And you have to be really thoughtful about rankings because if they're successful, you end up with – there's a theory, and I forget who 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 put – uh, postulated, but it, it's really powerful. And that is the moment, the moment an index or a ranking or a metric becomes uh, mm -hmm. widely followed, it begins perverting that industry. Right. And that's a really interesting statement that the moment we have like ratings, all of a sudden uh, CNN and Fox begin totally thinking about how to just capture attention. Mm -hmm. And what type of rating? Or they all of a sudden, advertisers just look at 18 to 49. So we end up with, or 18 to 25-year-olds. So rankings are really, really powerful. Now, specific to this question around responsible gambling, mm -hmm. I think a lot about gambling, specifically as it relates to young men. 85% of people with a gambling addiction are men. Uh, they're much more likely, something about the human brain or the dope, I don't know what it is, but essentially men are much more prone to gambling addiction at a young age. And also, it's an interesting stat, or what I found was an interesting stat. My mom was actually a docent in Las Vegas, and she used to do tours of the art at the Wynn and at the Bellagio, and she used to come home with all these fun facts about gambling. And the one that stuck in my mind is the gambling actually of every addiction, it has the highest suicide rate. Because if you're addicted to meth or alcohol, people recognize that you become an alcoholic, and at some point, someone who cares about you hopefully intervenes. You get fired from your job, your spouse says you give up the bottle or you're le or I'm leaving, or you know you have an intervention, whatever it is. Gambling, you can get so far in over your head and no one has any idea. You can literally lose your house, your kid's college fund, be fired, borrow money from everybody and lose it all and nobody even knows. And these people feel as if they are in so deep, the only way out is to kill themselves. And that always struck me. Um, that I, I, I found that shocking. The idea of a metric trying to assess how responsible a gambling organization is, mm -hmm. it feels very Northern European. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you can, I would be interested to know how you actually, you know, you know operationalize you that. It sounds to, it's never gonna happen. Yep. It's never gonna happen. It, it, it doesn't, it, there's no way to, there's no enforcement. We should just strengthen our current enforcement agencies. That's how we do it here. We slap them hard with law and, and make them liable for certain things. That's what we need to do. Because is, does anyone care? Does a gambler gamble at responsible gambling Well, you're not allowed like, to what's... operate, I think. They're much more strict, I think, there. Anyway, right. we need to move along, but uh, but it's a good question. We need and Joe Pesci. We need That's to... <laughs> what we need. That's responsible Here's gambling. Here's a short one from a listener named Lee Roll Tape. Kara, uh, just a silly question on your memoir, which I can't wait to read. Are you going to follow Chicago Manual of Style or AP for your editing? Jesus oh. Christ. Could, be, <laughs> we, could we have a wider question? Hello, Georgetown commandeers. Okay. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, Lee, thank you for a nice question. I, I, I'm glad you can't wait to read it, and I can't wait to write it. And there's a whole mm. section on Scott, I think. I'm going to have that. Well, by the way, how is your memoir? Aren't you writing a book? It's due How's very that soon, and I, I'm not done. I'm not even going to – let's not yeah. discuss. Let's not discuss. I had, I had a lot of things going I on. I feel for you. I know what that's like yeah. in the eighth yeah. or ninth inning. Well, I know I'm what not, that's like. I, I am or, in you're the supposed to be in the ninth inning, and you're really in the second. Exactly. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Okay. There's a question about kids these days. This came via email from Bridget in 
Florida. I'll read it. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and my daughter's high school, Northeast High, is currently struggling with kids doing these TikTok challenges. They've completely vandalized the high school bathrooms, even removing stalls, doors, dividers, locks, sanitary containers, and even an actual toilet. They are now stealing stuff from the classrooms like clocks and pencil sharpeners. I feel like TikTok should remove or at least address these destructive challenges. I know they're happening all over, not just in our high school. I wanted to bring this to your attention in case you weren't aware. I was not aware, Bridget. I, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, yeah. TikTok has a lot of issues like this. um, uh, I went to St. Pete for the first time. Mm -hmm. I went to St. Pete the first time. I took my boys to see the Dolly Museum. Yeah. It's a wonderful city and an incredible museum. Yeah. I mean, they do such a good job. I I just feel so fond and impressed by St. Pete. I knew nothing about it. Uh, Anyways, so, you know, go St. Pete. I think there's a big, really big missed opportunity by TikTok, and I think they're missing it. And that is, I think there's an opportunity for someone to come in and be the, I don't know what you want to call it, Puritan, conservative, reactionary, you know, go give your First Amendment speech somewhere else and really have a, a lot of guardrails mm-hmm. and make it kind of kind of safe viewing for kids. And when you see videos yeah. of students assaulting teachers because of the assault teacher challenge, yeah. you know, it's just like, okay, folks, you're Clean missing it up, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, every we talked about this last night on Twitter. Every CEO of every media company has, especially in tech, has always erred on the side of First Amendment because it happens to be the way you can ignore damage to the Commonwealth and increase your revenues. So they all of a sudden are all really have incredible fidelity to the First Amendment, which is just the, just ridiculous. There's a huge opportunity for a platform, and I thought TikTok was headed this way, yeah. to say, look, go 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 have your debate with a First Amendment lawyer on Twitter. Anything that reeks of, of damage, that could res- could result in violent behavior, extremist behavior, or generally is just really fucking ugly. We're just booting you off. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't someone think they're needs that to err on the other on side. They, I think they. You know what? Here's the deal. Y'all are editors. Edit. Just edit. That's exactly edit. right. Hundred so, percent. Whether your publishers unpublish things, it, you don't have to do everything. But stuff like this is like just, and then let someone else do that and let them deal with that. If you want to be like a brand, a bigger brand. Everybody has these kind of standards. And I know all the First Amendment people scream. But, you know, restaurants look a certain way and others don't. And you, if you want to have the big restaurant where everyone's happy and comfortable and safe, build that restaurant. But anyway, anyway, it's just it's, it's kind of ridiculous that they let this stuff go on. And of course, people like kids are going to do stuff like this. It's just I, I, I'm not I mean, people should be better parents to have their kids do this stuff. But it's almost irresistible um, in a lot of ways. Um, and they're also teenagers. And so there you go. All right. Next question comes from Joseph on Twitter who wants some advice from us. Joseph asked, mm. I've been out of work since the beginning of the pandemic. I am a stay-at-home parent with two kids. Will online certification from Google help me find a job? Are companies going to seriously look at me as a potential hire with just a certificate versus someone with a degree? Yes, we say, Joseph. Scott, go on about this because this is something you talk about a lot. Well, look, uh, we live in a society that's driven by certification, and the most powerful certification still in America is um, the traditional Bachelor of Arts. And it's it's just a powerful – it's a powerful construct. The moment you get a college degree, you're more likely to get married, less likely to have heart disease. Uh, you make, on average, twice the aggregate amount of income over your lifetime as a non-college grad. However, however – that may not be an option for you. If you're a stay-at-home dad with two kids, it just might not be realistic to, to figure out a way to get a traditional BA. 
I give well, we both give big tech a lot of grief. I think Google certificates, and I assume Agreed. I'd like to think this is Sundar Pichai. I think it's fantastic, and some of the stats around Google certificates about two thirds, I think, of people who have received a Google certificate do not have a traditional college degree. Um, it's very cost effective. It's very time effective, and the outcomes are really strong. And that is, I think, the average salary of someone or a job that someone gets from a Google certificate, and I think they're doing a UI UX and product management is about 85 grand. So I think this is exactly where we need to head. More vocational training, more unbundling, more micro-certification, and uh, hats off to Google. I think this is a fantastic uh, program and effort. And they're also talking about coordinating and cooperating and partnering with community colleges. Mm -hmm. So so much of these questions come down to are situational. What are your mm -hmm. options? What are your obligations? But if you're a stay-at-home dad, that doesn't have the opportunity to get what I call more formal certification. I think Google certificates is fantastic. I'm okay. a big fan. Yeah, yeah. So, and we think, and I think they're they're coming. You know, you'll see a lot more of this, and I think it's a great. It is a great thing that Sundar has done here. And so, yes, we think you can. I think people are take looking new ways of hiring people. There's, you know, there's there's low employment, uh, low unemployment, and so I think it's a great time to be able to get in there and show what you can do. You don't have to have gone to Harvard or whatever. Um, also, we again still need to focus on community colleges and other other ways to mm -hmm. do things like, you know, a plumber certificate, everything, like all ways to train people for high paying, higher paying jobs than, mm -hmm. you know, just being servants as, or serfs, as Scott says. Okay, Scott, one more quick break, then we'll be back and give our end of year resolutions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, we're back. We're going to do some of our end-of-year resolutions now. What is yours, Scott? What is your resolution? You know, I, I think everybody needs a code. My code is capitalism, stoicism, and atheism. And atheism is the most powerful part of my code, and that mm -hmm. is it makes me think about how I want to spend the rest of what I think is a very finite thing, uh, and that is the number of days we have here. 
one of the things I'm trying to do professionally, I think as a younger uh, entrepreneur and CEO, I don't think I was as kind as I could have been. I was mm -hmm. quick to fire. I was very harsh. And I thought of that as kind of like the what you were supposed to do as a CEO, and I was mm -hmm. successful, or I or certain outcomes were successful. Uh, and as I get older, I'm trying to be um, kind, a kinder manager, if you will, and more patient, mm -hmm. and just a little bit more thoughtful, and kind of go to my kind of slow thinking. So, is it working? I think I'm on the right track. My resolution is to be my resolution is in a professional context to be kinder and also not take the bait. And feel like I need to get back in everyone's face when I yeah. feel like I've been wrong. Just yeah. kindness and grace. Those Not are my resolutions. Aggrieved. You're going to be less aggrieved, is what you're saying. Well, it's okay. Yeah, aggrieved is. I don't like the term aggrieved because it makes it sound like you're a victim and you're. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I I think that's a horrible thing. Um, or I I don't like that. It makes me feel I don't know, weak. Yeah. But just in general, I think the people that um, I want to I want to uh, you know. Emulate role models who uh, demonstrate more grace and more kindness. Oh, um, nice. You know, and I think that's. I think we. Should, well, uh, that's what I'm going to try and do. What, how about you, Kara? Well, invest more in our relationship. Obviously, go uh, on. <laughs> no, not really. Go I'm, on. Not that at all. No, I think I. I two things professionally. Uh, I've done a lot in the pan in 2020 and 21. A lot. I've done a lot of new things, uh, which is interesting. Um, I, I've said yes to things I really like. Um, so I. I sounds crazy, but I kind of want to do a TV show. I want to do a TV show. That's really? Cool. Yeah, I do. Well, you're so, doing a TV show, didn't I tell you? It's oh. on CNN Plus. Oh, okay, great. I Good mean, I'm the know. one getting paid for it, and it's my name <laughs> on it. But you, you got to bail my ass out of that. <laughs> no, I, I you're know. You're a guest every week. Uh, 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 not unless you pay me a big ch chunk of money. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think I'm doing fine professionally. I don't think I really have to change a lot. But I, I just no, am interested think? in what does TV? Gavin Newsom think? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You're so jealous. I love when you're jelly of all my fantastic connections. I'm jealous a lot. Um, I'm you should be. I, I have a fantastic and envious. Of, you should be. Insecure. Once again, you should be. Um, yeah. uh, and, How's your book coming? You know what? Sorry, people don't know ahead. that Scott. He's incredibly generous. Uh, he's incredibly generous. Guy's always That's offering nice a hand. You do. You do. You're doing me a favor this weekend. I'm well, going to New you. York. You offered me your place and et cetera, et cetera. You're always saying something nice about this. So I am going to invest in our relationship. Well, you more. know, there's a chairlift there. <laughs> okay. Now listen. <laughs> um, the last thing is. Uh, I'm going to personally, it's been a really, it's hard to have four children. It is. And I have to invest more time with Amanda. That's a lot. I have it's to It's hard to have, a, I'm sorry. It's hard to have four age, children at your age. At any age. At your age. And I, we have to, <laughs> when you have children, you forget your primary relationship. So it, not this week because it's a, it's exhausting. Um, but I have to, we have to do mm -hmm. more stuff uh, that, uh, you know, it's hard when you're, you have a lot of children. <laughs> It's not, there's nothing wrong. I just have to think about it. I have to think about it because it's work and the kids. And so there should also be time for relationships. I know everybody talks about this issue, but right now, not today, not today. Just, Kara, just trust me on this one. I'm I'm very good at, at reconnecting lesbians. <laughs> just <laughs> just sp spend a lot of time on the couch, take two or three hours and do a Christmas tour marathon. That's what we did the other day. We had, we had such a good time. We had such a good time. No, we See, did. We go. watch, we're going to watch, actually, we watched the Spencer movie, which she plays Diana. And of course, somehow mm -hmm. a lesbian lesbian scene gets into that movie, which we love. We're like, of course, it's Kristen Stewart, a lesbian scene gets in. But then we decided every year we're going to watch the Kristen Stewart Christmas lesbian movie, which we love. It's a terrible, terrible movie, but we love it, uh, where she plays a lesbian going home with her closeted girlfriend. Yeah, it's great. Really? It's a great movie. No, and it, it, what it is an admitted yeah. stereotype of lesbian women. I assume that the two of you would watch like six hours of Riverdale and then cry and then hug for no, an I hour. No, I hate Riverdale. Why do you always say Riverdale? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't like Riverdale. I think it's mean. You know, 
I don't like it, but you know. but I like Kristen Stewart. Whatever she does, I think she, I think she's gonna. You're turning into the Rex Harrison of the lesbian community. Like remember Rex, Rex Harrison, Harrison, the movie what? reviewer. Uh, was it Rex Harrison? Oh, Rex. That's not Harrison. Rex Harrison was 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 an actor. Okay, Rex, Rex Harris. Reed. Rex Reed. Oh my God, Rex, Rex Reed. Reed. If like two men held hands in a movie, he's like best picture of the year. Oh, that's you. Bullshit. You are he such you are such an evangelist about? for for gay no. women, which is a good thing. No, not that there's I, anything I just wrong said with the that. Sex Life of Teenage Girls. That's, I, I, I mean, with Sex Life of College Girls. I'm sorry. That's a really good show. The most, almost okay. everyone that's there is lesbian straight. porn, isn't it? What, what are no, we talking about not. here? It is not. Anyway, everyone go see the Happiest Season. It's going to be Amanda and Kara's annual movie, along with Gladiator, which she's still not seen, which makes me question her commitment to me. I, I took you and off it, course. Your resolution uh, is to invest and maintain a healthy relationship with your spouse. The happiest season with Kristen Stewart with Amanda. That's how it's going to go on. All right, Scott, stop dragging my favorite actress, Kristen Stewart. Those were some great questions. Send us what more. What was that movie, what, Adventureland? She was in a great movie with um, about she's in amusement lots of park. Great What's your favorite know, Kristen Stewart movie? All of them. All of them. Okay, there all you go. I even like uh, The Hunter, the one Snow White and The Hunter one. I can't believe I like that movie. It was terrible. If you've got a question you're curious about, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit it for the show. Okay, Scott, that is the show. We'll be back next year. This is another year of Scott and Kara. How many years have we been together? Uh, I think we've been together three years. Is that about right? Uh, we have a pretty right? good relationship, I have yeah, to say. No, I really this enjoy is, it. This is arguably uh, one of my best professionals. Well, uh, so, so let me say as we end the year, thank you very much, Kara. I think you're a, a wonderful role model, and I very much enjoy our relationship. And I appreciate your thank generosity you. and your professionalism. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it also. Um, I think it's been a very successful. Where's my chair? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I agree with you. It's been a very good relationship. I think we get along very well. And one of the things I want to stress with people is Scott and I don't always agree on things. We have disagreements. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I reason I think it's successful besides we're very funny um, is uh, is that we disagree with civility. And I think that's critically important going forward. Mm-hmm. I think John talked about that. I think a lot of our we try to get guests that talk about that. And I think that it's really important in this twitch. Uh, angry world we live in to really start to listen to each other. And that's really been the problem is everybody takes their I am right stance and mm-hmm. we often change each other's minds, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. All Although mostly true. I'm right, mostly. All that is true. Anyway. And also, let me just say thank you to all our fans. We get, I get oh, yeah. stopped a lot on the street yeah, and talk, ask about Scott. All our fans, we love you. Stop us anytime you see us in, in any love place. It. And we love it. And we love our fans. And we love uh, that uh, they love us, too. And we, we will do more. Uh, we can't wait to do more with you all in the future. That's funny because they stopped me as well and asked me about me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. Scott. Read us out. Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, Happy New Year. Today's show was produced by Lauren Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mia Silverio. Ernie Andretot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next Tuesday for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Join me in 2022 for a kinder, a kinder and more graceful world. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm.